listen. Develop a posture of listening and a humility of being suggested that sometimes we're not listening. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me is, is vital in a relationship, to be able to say that to each other without being confrontational. Welcome to a One Life podcast. One Life, as you may or may not know, is a grassroots learning collective made up of equippers serving classes BC, Northwest, and Southeast in the Christian Reformed Church. By providing events and resources centered around the five foundational callings of the church, worship, faith formation, servant leadership, global mission, justice, and mercy. The calling we're looking at this week is the calling of faith formation. And this calling is curated by Liz Tolkamp, who serves as the CRCNA faith formation catalyzer for both BC Northwest and BC Southeast. She's also served for the past 20 years as the children and family pastor at Willoughby Church in Langley, encouraging and equipping local churches in their calling to shape the intentional lifelong faith formation is at the core of Liz's work as the BC Faith Formation Regional Catalyzer. Liz loves to develop relationships and form partners with ministry leaders, pastors, and churches so that they can fulfill the call to nurture faith through all ages and all stages of life within their local contexts. Curating the faith formation stream for One Life is a way to help churches develop and grow into wholehearted, vibrant, and life-transforming communities of faith. And Liz has found me a wonderful guest this week in Jackie Zidoff. Jackie Zidoff and I sat down about a week ago now, and we chatted about everything. We chatted about faith formation, particularly as it exists in the relationships with family and those closest to us. But then the conversation went far-reaching into all different territories, all united under the banner of God's great faithfulness and wise working in the often subtle ways that we don't always see. That is the work of spiritual direction, after all. And among other things, Jackie Zidoff is a spiritual director. And and if we pay attention this episode, I think, I hope, it's my hope and prayer that we get a sense for the moving of God's Spirit in the everyday, in our relationships, always gently nudging us to open our hearts more, to embrace and love each other more through his spirit and his power. So it is my prayer that this podcast blesses you the way it has blessed me. And without further ado, here's Jackie Zidoff. All right, let's get into it. Um, Welcome again to our listeners to another episode of the One Life podcast, of a One Life podcast. I always mix that up. It's a One Life podcast, so it's not the only one. There could be others. Mm -hmm. And I also like that it's not, there's a humility in calling it a One Life podcast, right? There's Mm -hmm. an article that implies... who knows where this could go, you know? And, 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 and no one here, certainly not me, is making the definitive statement 
on what it means to be a one life podcast, right? So there's a so I, I like calling it so a one life podcast. Okay, so it's wide open. Wide open. That's a good way to put mm-hmm. it. And um, my guest today, uh, who you've already heard just now, is Jackie Zaidoff. Jackie is a deacon at Riverside Christian Reformed Church. Mm-hmm. That's your, That's your right. the name. Um, you're a spiritual director. You are a vacation home renter with your husband, John. Yes. And you are also a nana and a mom to adults' children. So that's, that's a lot. Yes, it keeps me busy. So our, our calling for today is the Faith Formation Calling. Mm-hmm. This calling is curated by Liz Tolkamp, who's prepared us some lovely questions, um, which we will, we will use and, uh, and build off as we see fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of these questions surround the idea of family and, uh, and relationships between family members. Um, and so, yeah, it, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll start there with family as it applies to, um, to faith formation. So how, okay. how, how does your relationship to your family interact with this idea of faith formation? Well, uh, John and I were always very intentional, uh, at least when we remembered to be intentional. As we raised our six kids, we have five sons and a daughter. Um, those are bi- our biological kids. And uh, we made sure we spent time with them. We made sure that uh, we did devotional time with them, time when we could ask questions and talk together. It was a little difficult at times because of the younger kids. So there's times when I think the three younger kids had a lot more of conversation with us than uh, the older kids. Hmm. And we've talked about that with them. And uh, yeah, they, they agree. Why do you think that is? It was just busy, like around mm. the dinner table when there's eight, eight of us, and there's a baby, and there's a two-year-old, but then you have the 10-year-old, and so there were times when, uh, sadly, we just couldn't do it all. Right. Of course. But um, oh, we, made, we made amends by taking them out on dates. Mm. Uh, we took our kids each out individually, um, John did and I did. And those were just lovely times. We would take them out of school. And they would uh, spend time with just mom and them. And uh, so those were, those were times when we could talk about life, what was happening in their lives with their friends, um, how they were feeling about their piano lessons, their braces, the way that they looked. Uh, we just wanted to listen to who they were and uh, and what they were feeling, what they were thinking. Wow. What, what were some of the dates? What were some of the things you did? Well, let's see. Um, I went golfing. Oh, fun. I'm not good at golfing, but that was great for them, right? Because they, they were better than me. Um, we would go shopping. We would go hiking or biking. Uh, we would just spend time together. Often... Uh, it was easier to talk together when we were doing something. Mm. They weren't really into, you know, going out for uh, a Coke and sitting in front of me and having conversation. We would be doing something and things would come up. That's really helpful to me. Um, I have a number of facets to my job. I already yeah. mentioned to you before we started recording that I sit with our deacons. Um, but another thing that I do is I, uh, I'm a youth pastor. 
So okay. I'm, I work with, and I, that's a good reminder to me. I'm always wanting to get to the meat of life, you know, the real stuff past the, the jokey, silly veneer. But I'm learning more and more how important it is to be doing things as like the, the invitation into some of those deeper conversations. It's braces true. And insecurities. And, but yeah, I kind of have to have an activity. Even a walk. That. Oh, yeah. Even a walk or going mm. for a jog. Uh, somehow, it, doing it or doing a project is uh, a way to have conversation together when it arises. If you're sitting in front of each other, it feels like you have to talk. Right. But when you're doing something together, it's okay just to hammer, you know, hammer that nail in or walk, do a little walk without having a lot of conversation. And then it comes up. Yeah. And I've resumed that with my grandchildren. Huh. We all, wow. I have a date with all of my grandchildren at least once a year. How many grandchildren do you have? 21. Wow. And you get to see all of them at least once a year. Oh, like oh yeah. On I see that one-on-one. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I have to schedule. Good I have, you. I have a date book and we schedule. And part of that scheduling is anticipation. Mm. So, and I anticipate just as much as uh, my grandkids do our time together oh that's so beautiful what what's one of the most life-giving things about connecting with grandchildren oh they're just so honest and uh beautiful in Mm. in the way that they respond to life the way they respond to god to jesus um we have the the privilege of having our um grandchildren's parents love God. Wow. And so share uh, their faith with our grandkids. So they also share with us. So that that's tying in well to this idea of um, faith formation and families, right? Yeah. Um, one of Liz's questions here is, is that uh, we often think that it, it's the parents that form faith in the children, but the book, Families at the Center of Faith Formation, um, writes that uh, the grandparents play a key role in the faith formation of children, both in the families and the church. So I hear that. I hear that in, in what you're describing. You know, mm-hmm. these, these are these intentional moments of, I don't know if the word discipleship is right, but, but of, of connection you know, between you and your, your grandkids. Uh, and, then, and then Liz asks, how do you, res- how do you, you respond to this statement? Um, that, that was just spoken, fa- that, that the, the importance of grandparents. And how do you understand the role of grandparents in the faith formation of your children and your family? Totally support. Mm. Um, listening for where I can support. Because I think I know that as a mom to my adult children, and that includes my children that have, um, that have married into our family, that I, I just really don't want to interfere. I want to be wise. And I'm not always. And so that means that my adult children need to be able to tell me, Mom, can you back off? Hmm. And so, um, and I've given them, we've given each other permission. Because I am so involved in many ways that I need to remember to, to respect what they desire 
and how they desire to to be uh, with their children. And so when you have five different families, each family is their unique family, right? And so I need to kind of be listening to all the different nuances mm. of each family. And, and then, of course, each of the children, grandchildren, are just their own unique persons. So it's, yeah, I have to be on my toes, but I feel loved. Mm. So I'm on my toes, but I, I can relax. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's quite something. It's an art. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, I've grown in that. I, I, at first, you know, was quite a learning, and, but just wanting to be open all the time to their needs and their ways of being. So, yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, I guess it's the art of being a nana. Mm. which is ongoing, and please let me learn. I, mm. I'm not perfect. So, know? oh man, so, th- so this is a, uh, um, the question that comes to mind is, is, is how? How do you remain open? I, I'm, I'm in the process of, uh, of um, I'm engaged, so this is exciting. Yes. Okay. Um, and so this is a, the most significant relationship well maybe not i mean my, my person my immediate family too mm-hmm. like i guess this i guess the way to put it is this is becoming the most significant relationship of my life you know um that's that's how it certainly seems to be what the bible you know leave, the leave and cleave mentality right you're yeah uh, you're anyway so in some ways i'm i'm navigating for the first time um not just my own individual pursuits which i've been doing for 10 years but one other person Mm-hmm. And now I'm hearing you are doing this with 21 uh, grandchildren and then it, immediate children and your husband. So uh, that sounds like a whole new level of navigation um, for me. It was just kind of blowing my mind. But what, what is, yeah, so, but I'm also eager for myself as I navigate this one brand new, significant, different person Mm -hmm. uh, who is necessarily different from me right that's god's gift to me how yeah what are some practices for me or for 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 other grandparents for anywhere along that spectrum what are some practices or tips you have for that remaining that posture of openness well uh, first of all when john and i started it was just the two of us right and so you have time Mm. together um, by God's grace and in the movement of the Spirit to learn about each other and listen. He, uh, develop a posture of listening and uh, a humility of being suggested that sometimes we're not listening. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me is, is vital in a relationship to be able to say that to each other without being confrontational. So uh, it's a delight, you know, when you just have the two of you, and which John and I have now as well, uh, as with, we're just the two of us. Right. Plus, we have the richness of our, of our uh, family, but also the richness of our church community, our Agassiz community. Right. Um, but that being said, you and your fiancé are just starting with the two of you, and that's what's important. That's response. That's the responsibility, and actually, I've said to each of my married-in children that I could take their spouse so far as a mom, 
where they've taken their my my children, my biological children, is amazing. I could never, what they've done in their relationship with my kids and have become also my kids, I'm just in awe of the beauty of uh, what they've done as in their relationship together. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I love this emphasis on listening, listening. that posture of listening that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the humility to know your limits, you know, that mm-hmm. you can take someone so far. The Both of those things seem incredibly helpful. And I'm glad you mentioned church, too, because actually Liz added that into the, the last part of this question. She's mm-hmm. wondering about the role of parents and grandparents in the faith formation of children, but also parents and grandparents in the church. What is What is your role in the church? Well, if I'm thinking about my kids and grandkids, we, John and I are in a church without our, we're, we're not in the same church as our kids and grandkids. Mm. So each of them has their own way about them. Uh, we raised our kids to love God more than a denomination. So consequently, some of them have married into churches well, what we do is we celebrate baptisms of babies, but we also celebrate dedications. And we all go and enjoy and, uh, and celebrate with each of the families. And we know that, you know what, all of us long for the same, same desires for, for our kids, hmm. whether they're baptized or dedicated. Um, so, and then we have one of our families uh, has been in a house church for many years. So, what a richness, you know, to experience that with all of us, share our um, struggles in the churches that we're in. Uh, so, I guess as a nana, a grandparent, and a mom, I support where they are and encourage where they are and. Um, enjoy Mm. the stories I hear from their different um, churches that they attend. Yeah, Yeah, I'm hearing hearing an openness to Mm -hmm. the expansiveness of God, to meet Mm -hmm. everyone where they're at. Um, And I mentioned to you before we started recording that uh, a One Life podcast is no stranger to controversy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we, I I think my first five or six episodes, every single one, Canada's relationship to Indigenous people came up. We make no, uh, we don't tiptoe around people's feelings on issues like that that are so important, right? Uh, issues of reconciliation. But but I'm I'm wondering if, from the the little bit of experience as a pastor of two years in the Christian Reformed Church, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if if you've you've walked into one of the most controversial topics yet, which is simply the con- the, the the topic of baptism versus baby dedication. I had no idea how near and dear to the heart of Christian Reformed churches uh that idea is but Mm -hmm. i'm also hearing you you seem to know a god (laughs) Mm -hmm. who is big enough for both of those uh for for those different expressions um to coexist and and that so there's something about family that's that is at the core of this the Mm -hmm. the differences that exist in family i wonder if you can unpack that a bit for me Is, is that true can can both of these things coincide or do we need to to pick one or and how does that fit with the nature of God and the nature of this mystery of a family? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a big uh, question. Feel for, free to... for myself, totally, dedication mm. and baptism 
can exist under the umbrella of the spirits movement. Mm. And I know uh, that the spirit moves. He, he, he is not bound by either baptism or dedication. Mm. He longs for, for faith. He longs for um, these little ones to, to be held, loved, cherished, nourished, nurtured in the faith. And um, it happens. So all of our grandchildren know Jesus. And that's what's important. And they know that he loves them. What else could you ask for, mm. really, as a grandparent? Um, and then the celebrations that we have as families. There are some that are, that are dedicated. We all go to those and we celebrate afterwards with a, a celebration meal and... We enjoy um, gifts, and uh, we thank God for parents who want to teach their children about about Him. Yeah. Oh, I love that answer. It's almost like the love is yeah. the key, <laughs> and that's a loving father and a loving family. But love is the key. Yeah. Truly. Mm-hmm. Whatever else we um, try to discern, that that's God's business. Uh, we are, we're called to love mm. and to be faithful in that love. Um, yeah, this this connects so well, you know, to to this mystery you've been unpacking for us already. Like um, this posture of listening. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining a listener, not to you know confuse those terms, but a listener to this podcast right now who who is 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 wondering, you know, how how can I adopt a posture? Like I want to be there, but I don't yeah. feel like I am. What, what advice do you have for them? How, how do you get there to a posture of listening? Uh, it's a process, mm. and we're all in that process. Um, but it's an awareness mm. of, uh, am I listening? Uh, and then being um, aware that sometimes we're not. Mm. And the humility yes. to say, I'm not. I wasn't. Can you repeat that? Or what did you really mean? Or can you tell me a feeling behind that or um, yeah it's a process and I think if we if we want to get to the best listener ever before doing the process we'll get very frustrated and so we need to be patient with each other and we grow in in that together as a family as a friend as a spouse it just takes time and it Something that John and I, when we were raising our kids, that was very important to both of us, was to be able to say we're sorry. Mm. Because sometimes the our parents, the being a good parent meant you were never wrong. And not I'm not, you know, putting them down, but that was kind of a a, a way that they thought. Um, and so we wanted to be in a place where we were set free from always having to be right, because we weren't. So we could say we were sorry. And that was important to us. It set us free as parents, because we didn't always do things right. Even now, I have said to our kids, if there's anything in our past that I need to say I'm sorry for, that I haven't, and that keeps you from being all you can be, we need to talk mm. so that we can both be set free. 
And so that they are all, they know that that's open to them. Um, and so, yes, forgiveness for not getting everything right was, is, sets us free to be able to ask for forgiveness. And yeah. so that's been one of the mainstays of our family as well when the kids were growing up. And we've continued, of course, that with my grandchildren. I'll say, how do I know what you're thinking if you don't say it? Yeah. Would you like to do this? You may say no. Yeah. It's okay. I, I, how would I know if you didn't? And if it's no, what would you like to do? Is there something else? Uh, or do you just want to be alone? Maybe you don't want any company right now. You know, you can say that. That idea of, of liberation, man, I can, I, can, I can feel that in my spirit too, like how hard that is um, to be freed from. It's a big hump, at least for me at, at this point in my life. I can definitely, as you're describing it, I'm thinking, wouldn't that be nice to have that freedom to just say, oh, yeah. And uh, just leave it at that. That that does that. In, that brings this freedom, doesn't it? And the it way does. you're describing for your your kids and grandkids too. Now they have a freedom, and it brings an authenticity, right? Mm, you can be yourself. Yeah. yeah. And even if we weren't ourselves for a while, we can say, "Oh, I wasn't myself. Where did that come from?" Yeah. You know, just to be honest, uh, is uh, is a freedom mm. for sure. And it teaches. It, it gives us something, a springboard for, for our family mm. to, spring, to spring from, um, our kids and grandkids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can only imagine the, the impact that that would have on kids and grandkids to say, hey, where did we get it wrong? Like, it, yeah. there's an invitational, um, yeah, uh, awareness that you are human. And yeah. so you definitely must have gotten it wrong at least once or twice. And yeah. your kids can, can express that. That and that, that's where my, my, like my questions about theology will come up. We, we don't have to always look like we, we have it right because we don't. Even as, right? Yeah, even as a Christian church. Yeah, so it's a life. It's a way of life to be able to, to express ourselves that way, honestly. Man, I wasn't sure, sure how you know, this conversation would go or where all the areas we would go in, but... I think it might be worth at least tiptoeing into these waters because I keep hearing over and over again, you know, Synod is coming up in June. That's mm -hmm. when this podcast mm -hmm. is going to drop. We're going to look at the most divisive issue in the Christian church in the, in the, in the West for the last 50 years. Yeah. Every church that has visited this have split. Have you noticed that? Anglican Church of Canada, mm -hmm. Methodist, United Methodist, um, and, uh, and there's been a number of others. And we're next in terms of the RCA, our sister church. And yeah. so we are next. <laughs> it, I mean, if, if history is an indicator. But there's so many people praying. And, and I was just having this conversation with the staff at my church over lunch. The, the urgency of having this posture of love amidst yes. our differences um, and this openness that you're describing, when so much of the conversation, even leading up to Synod, feels like political jockeying, and on both sides, actually, yeah. right? Um, yeah, mo anyway, um, so since you have an openness to, to talk about, you know, our church's theology and how we're, in the most macro sense, you know, yeah. um, our church is dealing with this right now, and I wonder, no, you know, I would just wonder 
for your take, your insights on how to be a loving Christian family amidst difference. You've yeah. done this in your family over baptism. Is it possible for a church <laughs> to maintain unity over this issue or, or not? <laughs> There's so many unique individuals in, in a church body. Mm. Some people really need rules and laws in order to stay comfortable. Right. Um, usually, I, I wonder if it comes from fear of losing faith, of losing something that they think is so precious to them, as if God would ever lose us, as if the Spirit would ever stop communicating with us and loving us. I, I feel like our, our, our relationship needs to be with God and who He is. And I know the scriptures speak of who God is, um, that being said, interpretations are always changing, depending on the culture, where we live, what century we live in. It's first, I know it sounds simplistic, but love is the way, the answer. And um, I, so I, I have, I don't have trouble sharing a, a seat in the church with someone who's gay. They, I have met beautiful people who are, have a different sexual orientation than I do. Mm-hmm. They're kind. They take care of each other. They take care of the creation, their communities, their churches, if they're allowed to be part of a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't have a trouble with that but I know there are so many unique individuals and where we've come from what we've been taught our life tragedies or joys um, but I do believe fear is is a motivator for laws and rules and I don't know I would question is that really what should the what the motivator should be yeah rather than love Unconditional love. That's what we say. His un- and I know that for mm-hmm. my, for my own self, and also for uh, for uh, my loved ones. Um, I wonder. Sometimes people have very strong feelings about sexual orientation until someone they love is in that place, and I think. I, I believe we all need to be ready for that. And how do we prepare for whatever is in store for our friends, our families, our, our um, communities? How do we prepare so that we can go forward with strength mm-hmm. instead of fear, go forward with delight instead of fear? Taking on what's not our business is a, is a pain. Mm-hmm. Taking on what is our business and when we look at the Beatitudes that Jesus speaks of in Matthew, we know where we need to be. Wow. And uh, as a denomination, I would, that's what I would pray. 
I'm praying that too, Jackie. Thank you <laughs> on behalf of the Christian Reformed Church or whatever. Yeah. No, I, 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 I am so, so thankful um, for that prayer and that there are people that are praying that prayer. Mm-hmm. That's been certainly been my prayer. And I thought, wouldn't that be a miracle if we're the one church, you know, in the West yeah. historically that doesn't just bifurcate down the middle um, along such sadly, you know, we always try to um, not become a, at least this used to be the mantra of the CRC. We don't really want to be worldly, right? And here we are dividing our church upon, like, like could not be more uh, classically um, worldly political lines yeah. when it comes down to it. Yeah, yeah. And if we could maintain that posture of love, openness, understanding, certainly we can hold different interpretations of Scripture, and we can hold them quite convictedly and disagree. I'm sure that happens in your family, Um, if your family is anything like any other family, right? Um, But yes, that that mystery of love. I'm so glad you you keep coming back to that. So... Mm -hmm. um, Getting getting back to Liz's questions here, you know, I think this picks up right where we left off. Um, she she says the same writers that's that's say that say say that we do not have to bring God to families to make them spiritual. We help them discover the spiritual in the everyday life, mm-hmm. recognize, understand, and respond to God's presence in their midst. So. How do you help your family and how do they help you discover God in the ordinariness of life and daily experience? Well, I guess to be ordinary. Mm. Just to be ordinary. I, When I was a young mom, I had guilt about not doing my daily devotions uh, because I thought, oh, it's going to affect you know, how I do the day. Um, And gradually, especially as I got more busy with family and church and community, and I would uh, take snippets of quiet time when I could, which was sometimes when I was feeding my little baby at two in the morning. Um, So, so I just think to be ordinary, to 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 know that to, to know that God is right here all the time, that the Spirit hovers, He delights in whatever we we are doing um and if if it's something that's not healthy we sense his his uh, distress um because we just being aware that he's with us every moment and when we're not aware he's still there mm. and he uh, so being aware and not always and not feeling guilty and just resting in the fact that he's with us, yeah. um, so when our kid, our grand, when I'm with our grandkids or kids, it just comes up. You know, we don't anticipate. Okay, we're going to talk about God now. Mm. It just comes up. Mm. You know, they'll say, "Nana," and then they'll ask me a question, or they'll say, "I think this." Like I, mm-hmm. one of my granddaughters mm. said, "Nana." You know what? When I read about Adam and Eve, I don't know. I think there were more people. <laughs> and she just says it. And I go, oh, like, what makes you think that? You know, and I think, yes, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love these kind of conversations. And she goes, well, I don't know. There was other people there because they, they met other people. <laughs> and, so, um, and so I said, well, what do you think the Bible is then when it talks about? Well, she said, I, I think it's a story in the Bible that helps us know God. 
And I just, so those are lovely interactions. They just come out. And then she goes like, do you want to jump on the trampoline now? <laughs> so yes. it's like, ooh, you got it. I'm so glad I snatched that when, when the, the precious gem was there. Yes. That being said, there's times I don't. Mm. I, for, I lose it. I'm not there in the mm. moment and I've lost. Uh, but that's okay too, that that happens. Yeah. When, when you say meeting God in the ordinary, it just makes me wonder if jumping on the tr- going to jump on the trampoline is also a way to meet God. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. And so yeah. even when the, the conversations, they both may have, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just trying this thought out, but I'm wondering if they both in God's eyes have an equal importance, spiritual component. Uh, one being a faith formation conversation, another being a relationship building exercise, bodily expression, the awesome. joy of a child. <laughs> just, yes, awesome. You know, just thinking about the God in the ordinary. Yes, you know? that's what it is. That's what it is. So we're on the tramp. We'll say, wow, look at you. Jesus made you an acrobat. Mm. Um, but he also made made her so much more. Mm-hmm. And we don't know yet. You know, mm. there's there's mystery in each of our our grandchildren and our children. So that's one of my listening reasons for listening is, who are you? Mm -hmm. Who are you? And how can I nurture who you are? Uh, And that is sometimes I'm on and I catch it. Sometimes I miss it. Mm -hmm. But hey, the spirit never misses, Mm -hmm. never misses. Mm -hmm. So... Liz wonders um, what some of your, your, your family practices and church practices um, are that help you maintain that awareness and that uh, active kind of attentiveness to God. Yeah. Well, we, church attendance is mm. something that we mm. practice um, whenever we're in town, as often as we can. Uh, we find uh, different podcasts that we like to listen to. Mm-hmm. which is a thing that's happening these days, mm-hmm. right, for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, podcasts that get us out of the our, a narrow avenue. We, we want to explore different thoughts, different possibilities uh, within our faith, who God is. Uh, and um, so that, and then we have our conversations with friends, we used to go to care group, but that somehow hasn't been part of our our um, part of what we what John and I have been involved in. Mm. So uh, we have conversations wherever wherever they happen, and re- I read. Mm. I I like to read books on spiritual direction, the mysteries of God, how centering prayer is part of. Um, what I like to do, mm. what helps me, what nurtures me. Well, I only have one more question, which is, this is also comes from Liz, this question, but she, she would love to hear some thoughts on how a younger generation can help shape and reform the faith of an older generation. Um, she says, you know, faith conversations with, my, with her adult children are significant in shaping and reforming her faith as she ages. Um, and yeah, when I reflected on that question too, um, Tying it into my earlier point, too, of how so often our faith has been imposed from above, either from authority figure or Mm -hmm. from a parent. And even in the way you parent, I hear... I hear you're not really doing much imposing with your 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 grandkids. You're you're being there for them mm-hmm. and creating through the spirit, you know, creating space for them 
to share their thoughts and to um but yeah, so I, but I wonder if, if, if you have more thoughts on that, it, taking that even one step further, how the younger generation actually can bless um, us, you know, those yeah. who are older. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, one of the ways that we can empower our young, younger families to, to um, build our faith is to allow them to. Uh, if they're not allowed to ask questions, if they're not allowed to say something way out uh, and and gather um, feedback, uh, then then we won't learn from them. If we if we stomp on them, we can't learn from them. But I I see the the spirit of the mighty God working in all thirteen of our grandchildren. I mean, our, uh, 13 of our kids. No, wait a minute. There's not 13. How many of us is there? There's 11. Mm. 13, including John and I. Mm. So yes, 11 I yes. uh, adult children, adult people, children in our family. And what sometimes they just come up with, okay, I've been, I, I know this is something that I need to think about. Um, because as older people, we do get set in our ways. We can be in our thoughts. Uh, so to maintain an openness of uh, allowing for questions, it gives me the opportunity to learn from my kids. And uh, I, I do. I learn from them and from my grandchildren. As I mentioned, uh, my granddaughter who uh, talks about the scriptures with me. So uh, it's the, it's available if we want mm. and if we desire mm. to to continue to grow. I don't know it all. Mm-hmm. I never will. That's beautiful. Yeah, the, the the life, the life that this the younger generation can bring, the refreshing, yep. that's a good word. Yeah, that's a good a good invitation to all of us. Um and I love that. I love that there's a a mutuality there. Mm-hmm. Um and certainly um that's certainly to say, you know, I mean, I, I know from my from experience how much older people older than me have to offer me in terms of wisdom and life lessons and mm. advice and and even the humility, you know, um, that I think takes a long time to cultivate that ability to listen that you talked about. Um, but then to remember that that uh, that that there's also something still to learn, even at yes. that age yeah. from younger people who are newer, newer to life. And sometimes they might even say. To the older, to us, the, the, the grandparents, can you let go of some of that stuff so we can raise our children well? Mm. And we need to say, tell me more. Mm. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, and, and often the stuff that the older, that as we get older, that we hold on to isn't worth it, but we thought it was. And then when we see our children and grandchildren working out life, in a different way, and it works, and it's nourishing to them. So we need to say, I'm listening. Again, I'm listening. Um, I, want to be, I want to be teachable, always. I want to be teachable. I need to be teachable mm-hmm. in order to maintain relationships. Mm. If we're not teachable, if we're not open, and we're stuck and closed, relationships will suffer. And uh, do I want that? No way. No way. I love my kids and grandkids. 
Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's such a good reminder. It's such a good, good takeaway for me that the relationship is most important. And, you know, yeah. in my mind, that, that connects so perfectly to what we talked about with trying to get our theology right. If we get our theology right and our relationships with either one another or with God suffer. Yeah. What, what does that mean? I love that you said, though, that, that for certain people, um, the fear yeah. comes from a fear of losing God. That is so true to my experience, too. Those yeah. times when I felt myself close off my my uh, my thinking my my theology like narrow it nail it down and 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 I felt a defensiveness towards yes. outside or new ideas. Okay. I've, yeah. I I remember one time I had a point with God too where I was just wrestling over this some kind of theological issue, probably like the one we were talking about, mm. and I I said to him, I just don't want to lose you. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, after you wrestle, you might limp a little. <laughs> You'll always remember me because of your limp, he says. Wow. You know? Yeah. Wow. Jackie, this has been uh, a real blessing. Mm. Um, One Life wants me to get these episodes down to 30 minutes, and I can never do it. There's too much beautiful things that we've Mm. talked about. This episode, too, can be a a lesson for our listeners Mm. in listening, taking the time, you know, slowing down. Um, because I think there's some things you just can't get to uh, without taking the time. So I'm so, so grateful that you took the time uh, to sit down with me, to share these your wisdom, to wade into these tender and complex uh, theological arenas, um, um, but all, all in service of relationship with your family, with God. Thank, thank you, Jackie. Yes, I really appreciate this. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Uh, it's been a delight lay down all your burdens brother lay them on the ground there is no more reason to be bearing them On the show today, you heard Jackie Zaidoff, mother, nana, spiritual director, and deacon at Riverside Christian Reformed Church in Agassiz, B.C. Thank you so much again, Jackie. I don't know where we're going, but I know that there's still time to lay. For all your other One Life curation needs, including events, links, and information, you can go to crconelife.ca. And also consider subscribing to the newsletter. Thanks for listening. Share with me your burdens, brother. Share them with me now. I can share the struggle with you if you will allow. Share with me your trouble. Yeah.